It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the NBA expert, the NBA fanatic, Jay Smoove. You guys can find him on Twitter as well at Smoove underscore 702. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Smoove, here we go. We're going to talk a little bit of NBA free agency. We'll talk a lot about the NBA offseason. Now, one of the things I liked about the NBA, and I'm sure you liked this last year's move because you're, you know, you're an NBA diehard. You know, the NBA they didn't go away last year when it was the off season. I mean, they were in the news each and every day. It didn't matter. Um, there were even some days that, you know, they took over the NFL, which is uh, extremely hard to do, even when the NFL is going. But it seems like we're kind of on the same trajectory again this year. Why don't we just jump right into it? Talk about, you know, a lot of the moves that have been made. You know, a lot of the news is, is circled right around, you know, the Lakers right now with, you know, what things that they've done. Uh, they bring in Carmelo Anthony. Uh, they bring in Howard. They bring in Ariza, Bazemore. But the big signing was your boy, you know, probably your your favorite player all time, Russell Westbrook. And I haven't really had a whole lot of time, Smooth, to go ahead and digest, you know, that particular move and, you know, what that's going to make the Lakers look like. He's your boy. You know a lot about the Lakers. You're, you know, knee deep in the NBA each and every day. So, how do you feel about Westbrook getting in there? What do you think? What do you think the thought process was? You know, for bringing him in there. What's he going to do to help them? What's he going to do to hurt them? You know, how you feeling just right now about Westbrook being in there, and then the Lakers pretty much overall. Yeah, sleepy. Uh, like you mentioned, you know, the NBA, especially with their off-season free agency stuff uh, last few years has kind of turned into a year-round sport. But, um, you know, once I saw that, you know, the Lakers was in talks with the Wizards to try to get Westbrook, um, to me it, it sounded good, and I thought it would be, you know, great for Westbrook and, and the Lakers if that were to happen. But I just couldn't see it uh, at first, you know, because I didn't think that the Lakers had enough, um, you know, significant trade pieces that would interest the Wizards. But it turns out that they did. Uh, they included some packages, and it even turned out to be like some some big five to six team type of trade, you know, that ended up, you know, with Westbrook going to the Lakers and uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, who's a another good player, uh, point guard, going to Washington. But you know, just with the fit, you know, for the Lakers, you know, with Westbrook pairing them with LeBron and Anthony Davis, you know, I love it. It gives them a, a legit big three, and I think that you know this off season. You know, a lot of people and a lot of me- people in the media last year were talking about, you know, how much the Lakers won the offseason with, you know, free agency last year, you know, by signing Dennis Schroeder and bringing in Montrez Harrell um, because those two guys were, you know, the winner and the runner-up for six men of the year, you know, le- going back to last year. But um, I think that experiment failed a little bit. I think that they, you know, brought in Dennis Schroeder to kind of try to take some – some pressure off of LeBron as he gets a little bit older and not try to have to be the guy that carry the team like he's been doing, you know, pretty much his whole career. But, you know, I've been saying for a lot of years that, you know, Westbrook is kind of like a 6'3", 6'4", version of a LeBron James, but he just hasn't really been surrounded by, you know, the type of shooting and floor spacing, you know, that LeBron has been able to do, whether he goes out and handpicks the type of players that he needs to be, uh, needs him to be around to be successful. And Westbrook kind of has been having to play a lot in traffic. And, it's, you know, going back and looking at it, it's been pretty impressive, you know, seeing what he's been able to do, you know, averaging a triple-double and leading the league in assists by, you know, having one of the weaker shooting teams in the league. 
you know, pretty much, you know, uh, throughout his career. But, you know, you pair him with, you know, LeBron James, who's arguably the best player, you know, in the league um, or the league has seen, you know, him and Michael goes back and forth with that debate. You know, I still like Kobe in that conversation. But uh, then you add Anthony Davis to the mix, you know, the PER Prince with some better health, you know, this year. I think that big three is going to be a, a real good pairing. And then you you look at, you know, the pieces that they add a, a around them. You know, a lot of guys you know, that can shoot the ball, you know, bringing in the Carmelo Anthony, bringing back, you know, Dwight Howard and some other guys that would play with the Lakers before that are back now, like a Kent Bazemore, Trevor Reza, who won a championship with the Lakers. Um, you know, I think they won this offseason again. Um, it started with the Westbrook trade, but then, you know, collecting the rest of the, you know, the role players on some vet minimum deals um, and building out the rest of their rosters. Who, You know, my feeling after I saw the moves and stuff like that, that this might be one of LeBron's best teams. And I know that that, you know, might get some pushback, but I honestly think that they have the makeup in their, you know, their first five and second five to be, you know, a tough team to deal with. I think the Malik Monk signing is is big for them. They need a legit outside shooter, you know, that could get hot. And I can see him, you know, maybe even mixing in the starting role at times, uh, coming off the bench being important. But, you know, bringing guys like Ariza in, you know, he could shoot the three too. But, you know, there's going to be periods of time where they're, you know, they're going to rely on him for his defense and things like that. I think what Westbrook brings to the table is it brings – it's going to bring LeBron's minutes down. It's going to bring AD's minutes down where they don't have to push those guys, you know, for the entire season to go ahead and get them to the finish line where, you know, we saw LeBron breaking down. We saw AD get hurt. He broke down uh, and multiple other players are just breaking down. I mean, this was, you know, this was a tough year. I think LeBron might actually be thinking about this because, you know, he plays chess when others play checkers, but I think you'd agree with me, Smooth. The NBA is like, it just seems like it hasn't stopped, man. Like, it just seems like we've been going on games for two years. The season's going to come right back around the corner again. Like, these players, for as much as these guys get paid, if there was ever a three-year stretch where it was like, you know what, these dudes deserved all the money they got, it was this three years at the end of this year. Um, because these players are putting a lot of a lot of wear and tear on their bodies. They're putting their careers on the line to go out there and play all these games. No, they haven't had a significant offseason, and, you know, it's going to be a number of years now. Nothing but quick turnaround. I feel like, you know, LeBron's like, look, dude, I'm not going to be able to do this again and get to the finish line to go and win a title. We need to bring some Energizer bunnies in here. We need to bring some shooters in here. We need to make it happen. And uh, I think that they got everything that they need, to be honest with you. I think Westbrook's going to be able to go ahead and run the offense and and give – you know, LeBron a little bit of a break and AD a little bit of a break and they brought guys in that can shoot and, you know, they can be a completely different looking team, I think, with, you know, Westbrook out there doing his thing. And I think they'll figure out how to know how to mix that in. I would actually probably make the Lakers the favorite uh, as much as I like the Nets right now. I just feel like the Lakers right now are deep and there's going to have to be a number of moves that get made, you know, with other teams out there that, that would probably have me say okay they're a little bit better than the Lakers right now but to me um, this is the best team in the league deepest team in the league maybe even the most well-rounded and I think that that's why I'm saying you know I feel that this could be you know one of LeBron's best teams if not the best team so um, I'm high on the Lakers which you know I've really never been high on the Lakers 
Uh, I'm personally not a LeBron fan uh, at all, but I have to go ahead and give credit where credit's due. One thing about LeBron, he's always trying to win, and he's going to do whatever it takes, and he's going to work his rear end off, and he's going to try to get you know, the pieces in there, and he'll play chess throughout the season and be like, you know what, this dude don't work, that dude don't work, get rid of him, trade deadline, bring some other people in, we got to figure this out, we got to win. And that's what, what I do love about LeBron is he's a winner, he has that winner mentality and that winning drive. And I think the Lakers uh, certainly are going to be dangerous. Why don't we talk about a couple of the other teams that, you know, made some significant moves or significant signings. The Heat were interesting to me. Uh, they go ahead, they get P.J. Tucker, they get, you know, pull him away from the Bucks. They get, they bring in Olin Depot, uh, re-sign Jimmy Butler, but then they bring in Kyle Lowry. And I thought Kyle Lowry, uh, in, my, in my opinion, this move was, was a really good fit maybe for the Sixers. And when he didn't go there, I was like, all right, cool. Um, that's not going to happen in Philly, but that has to make the Heat stronger. What do you make of Miami going into this season with with those signings? But in particular, um, Lowry going to that team, do you think that really helps them out a whole hell of a lot or not? Yeah, um, I like the moves that the Heat made, uh, bringing in Lowry, bringing in uh, P.J. Tucker, who was a uh, you know part of the Bucks championship run, and he brought some some defensive uh, presence and some toughness there, you know, re-signing Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler. But then a player that uh, who, who's also dealt with some injuries the last couple of years, Victor Oladipo, you know, before his injuries, you know, that good year that he had in Indiana where he was an all-star and kind of, you know, brought a lot of attention to himself with the way that he played. You know, he's back with the Heat. You know, he they, the Heat signed him last year and it was – expecting him to be a part of their um, their core moving forward. But, you know, he dealt with some injuries again, but he's on like a, a prove-it type of deal. So I like the additions that the Heat brought in. Um, we have to see how it all meshes and comes together. You know, I still think that the Nets and Bucks are uh, are ahead of them, but you know, they do have like a lot of, you know, B-plus to B-level type of players, but they do have quite a bit of them. Um, so with all the pieces that they had originally, you know, adding, you know, the, the pieces that they add in free agency, I think that makes them, you know, a little bit deeper. Um, and, you know, things, you know, line up for them in a way that, you know, things lined up for the Suns did this past year. You know, they definitely have a shot of, you know, reaching the Eastern Conference Finals and trying to trying to get back to the NBA Finals as well. So, yeah, I like I like the moves that the Heat made. Well, you mentioned the Nets, and they made some some interesting moves too. They brought in Patty Mills. I don't have anything bad, you know, to say about Patty Mills. I think he's a he's a guy that they're probably going to need at some point in the season. They, they they bring in James Johnson. That was just a head scratcher to me. I don't know what the hell they were thinking about with that one. Uh, Bruce Brown. I mean, they they probably get bounced earlier if if he's not on the floor for them. I mean, he had some pretty big games. Griffin signs. I think that's important. I don't think that they that they've done enough, uh, in my opinion, to be favored over the Lakers right now. So I'm not sure how you're feeling about the Nets. I know they got the big three in Harden, KD, Kyrie. They're going to be good. They're going to be easy to beat. But I just have a feeling that depth at some point, and I think depth last year kind of kind of showed up at times. Like it kind of reared its ugly head. Like oh man, like if we just had another guy or two to help KD out. You know, maybe we would be able to go ahead and sneak out a couple extra games or a series. But right now, my opinion, Nets are nasty, but I just don't think they're as good as the Lakers. I think they need to bring a couple extra guys in here. Uh, you and I were talking offline. I thought maybe maybe a Josh Hart could help them and, and be kind of a, 
a key fixture. But how are you feeling about the Nets right now, what they've done so far? And do you do you think they're better than the Lakers? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I was a little bit confused by, you know, signing, you know, James Johnson. He's a really good player, but um, I don't know what the situation was with Jeff Green, um, with them not – you know, letting him go. I think he ended up signing with the Nuggets. I thought he was a huge piece for them, you know, pretty much all year. And then he had a really big game in that series against the Bucks, where he had like 27 off the bench. And he was a perfect fit, I think, for that roster. Um, so I think that was a little bit of a downgrade, swapping out, you know, James Johnson for Jeff Green. And then they also made a move to where, you know, they traded one of their better shooters in Landry Shamit um, to the Suns for Javon Carter. Now, Javon Carter, he's a good player. You know, he was a backup to the backup in Phoenix um, behind campaign. But once he got got in the game, you know, he you know, he was pretty good. Um, he's a more of a defensive player. His, his shots gotten better since his since coming into the league from West Virginia. But I, I really didn't understand that move either. You know, bringing in Javon Carter as a backup point guard, you know, because they already have Mike James as a backup point guard. And then. You know, you look at the big three between Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. You know, they're pretty much going to have the ball in their hands and be the play creator a lot of the times, you know, with, you know, those guys on the floor with their minutes. So uh, I didn't really understand that move of, you know, trading away, you know, a shooter because when you have a big three like they have, you want to surround it by some trusty shooting and uh, some veteran type, you know, players and presence, a lot like what the Lakers did this offseason. So, um, you know, like you said, the Nets, they'll still be there because their big three is there. I think that's a little bit more of what they're banking on, that, you know, those guys really, you know, really play like, you know, less than 15 to 20 games together all last year after the James Harden trade. So, you know, now they get a full off season, you know, full training camp and a full regular season, you know, to play with each other. And, you know, they did they did do some good signings. You know, they re-signed Blake Griffin. I thought he was a good, you know, good to keep him. And, you know, I, I do like them getting Patty Mills. Um, you know, he's a, sh- a trusted veteran shooter. You know, has won some championships in San Antonio. So um, those two signings was okay with me. I just thought that they should have kept, you know, worked a little harder to try to keep keep Jeff Green and, uh, you know, put a little bit more value on Landry Shamet. But obviously those, you know, those three guys at the top of the roster are going to be leading the way. So, um, you know, if we're blessed, you know, with some, you know, good health from the basketball guys, hopefully we have a, a Nets Lakers, you know, finals matchup. You know, I think that's something that the NBA needs. I think that's something the fans want to see, you know, all the storylines tied in between, you know, those rosters and players and, and franchises. So, um, yeah, the Nets, they, they did okay. Could have did a lot better though. Well, let's talk about another team. Let's talk about the Bulls. They bring in DeMar DeRozan. They bring in Lonzo Ball. On paper, that looks good. I don't like either of those signings. I think those two players would be much better in different places. I'm not sure how that's going to work out, you know, with Levine and Vukovic. But I, th- I think on paper they're they're you know they're a good team. But I just worry it just doesn't work. You know the X's and O's way better than I do. Is that going to work? Bringing those two guys in there. That team's better on paper. I know that. I know you'll agree with me on that. But X's and O's wise, I just don't see it. I just think that they'd be better served on different teams. That's just kind of my gut feeling. I liked what they did by just bringing in Lonzo Ball and pairing them with Zach Levine and, and Vucevic. 
Um, I thought they got better from there. And I think the Pelicans got a little bit worse by letting Ball go. You know, he's improved his shot. You know, last year he's obviously as a obviously a good playmaker. Um, but one of his strengths, you know, he brings to the defensive side of the floor as well. So that's an area where the Bulls needed to get better, you know, in their especially in their backcourt on the defensive end. So I think just bringing in Lonzo makes them better that way as well. His offense could could come and go a little bit. Um, but, you know, I also love the move of bringing in DeMar DeRozan. He may be one of the most underrated players in the league. You know, he's a guy that's, you know, going to uh, walk in the gym and get you 20 points a night, you know, pretty easily. And then last year, he also showed his ability to make plays for his teammates. He averaged about somewhere between five to seven assists a game in San Antonio. I think Chicago, they have their version of a big three between Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Vucevic. And then whatever type of offense you can get out of Lonzo Ball, it's kind of like a plus or a cherry on the top. But then he's also going to set the tone on the defensive end. You know, they do have a, a good rookie from uh, last year and uh, Patrick Williams out of Florida State. Um, you know, Billy Donovan as the head coach, you know, he's a guy that if you're, you know, have championship aspirations, he might not be the right coach or the right fit for for those type of goals. But if you're a team that, you know, is looking to make the playoffs, um, which I think the Bulls should be a playoff team this year, you know, with the additions that they had it. Um, you know, I, I like what the Bulls did and I will kind of put them ahead of some teams that made the playoffs last year when we're looking at uh, probably the Wizards and depending on, you know, what the Celtics do with the rest of their roster. So, yeah, I like what I like the moves that the Bulls made. Yeah, I'm not sure where they end up. I have a feeling that that's a team that's probably going to end up moving around a little bit come the trade deadline. There's a couple guys that were re-signed. We might as well just mention them. John Collins, he re-signed with the Hawks. Mike Conley, he re-signed with the Jazz. Chris Paul, probably everybody heard that one. You know, he re-signed with the Suns. You had mentioned Dinwiddie. Uh, before when you were talking about the Nets, he ends up on the Wizards here. Let's talk about the Knicks because this was a team that I thought might make a big move. And I think that they probably played themselves out of that as they bring in Kemba Walker, they bring in Evan Fournier, and then they re-sign Julius Randle. Let's just talk about those signings first there, Smooth, and then I'll talk about what I thought might have happened and how the door is open for probably a couple other teams. But Right now on the surface, Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier coming in. What does that do for the Knicks? I'll give you my quick thing. I don't think it does a damn thing. That's just how I feel. So I'm not sure how you feel, but that's kind of just my feeling right now is that that didn't help the Knicks at all. Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree with you again here. Um, just going back and looking at, you know, what they had on the in the backcourt last year from the point guard spot, even before Derrick Rose. You know, it was a lot of Alfred Payton and, you know, Alfred Payton just really gave them nothing, um, you know, to help them win, help them win games. And their offense really took off, you know, once they signed, you know, Derrick Rose and, you know, he spent more, much of the time on the floor and Alfred Payton spent much of the time on the bench. But, you know, I think the Knicks, they were trying to get, you know, a, a superstar level, you know, type of player, but, you know, they, they didn't want to, you know, ruin their chances of, you know, being a playoff team again by trying to swing for the fences on a player, you know, that was kind of pie in the sky aspirations. So, you know, they did, you know, the, I think they did the smart thing by re-signing some of their guys and then going out and getting some guys that, you know, could help improve them offensively. Uh, they bring in Kimball Walker, who's probably going to be the starter. 
again. Um, you know, I think that he's definitely an, an upgrade over Alfred Payton. And then you surround him with a guy like a Julius Randle, um, Evan Fournier, um, who had a, a had some good moments um, for the time he was in Boston. But you obviously see what he's doing um, in the Olympic Games. I think he's averaging about 19 a game for France. So he improves their offense as well. You slide him into that starting lineup as either – you know, the two or three. I think they lost Reggie Bullock to Dallas, so he can step in and shoot the ball as well. So then they bring back Derrick Rose. So if they're able to maintain, you know, their level of defense that they did last year, uh, I think they improved quite a bit offensively by bringing in, you know, uh, Walker and Fournier and keeping Derrick Rose. So uh, I like what the Knicks did, you know, for what was for what they were able to do to try to improve a little bit from last year. They, um, you know, they just – pretty much stayed tacked and added what they could have added. So um, I'm, I ain't going to bash the Knicks. You know, I like their moves. Yeah, I'm going to give it to you. Smooth got me on that one. Smooth one, sleepy nothing. They did get better. Because <laughs> when, when you mentioned Alfred Payton versus Kemba Walker, like you won the argument right there. And then, you know, Fournier is – he's just a boring player to me. But he's the guy who can go out there and do his job. And then uh, they're going to bring back, uh, what's his name, right, Mitchell Robinson? I mean, he's going to be healthy, and he's going to make an impact, right? Yeah, he should be back healthy. And they brought back Alex Burke as well. So they pretty much kept the core players intact and, you know, added Walker, Fournier. So they should be better offensively with those moves. Yeah. Yeah, the more I think about it, you're you're right. They'll probably end up. They'll probably end up maybe even getting through the first round with that squad. And and you got to consider the fact that, you know, you're going to get another year of R.J. Barrett. You know, he's going to be probably a little bit better. Um, maybe, you know, maybe he kind of breaks out, you know, and has that that big year as well. And then an, and another thing, too, smooth that maybe we could say that's positive is, you know, it's another year under Tibbs where that team knows the demands that he puts on them, you know, offensively, defensively, you know, to – they kind of, you know, they got a good year under their belt of him. So now they kind of know how to react and know what to expect. I'm willing to bet that, you know, the Knicks might come in as one of the in-shape teams, you know, coming into this year because they know the, you know, the demands that he puts on you. So I was wrong. You're right. Um, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to continue to argue with, uh, with you with that. So with that said, all those guys, you know, they're all going somewhere. You were talking about pie in the sky, and I'm going to get to that. And we'll talk about Damian Lillard here in a couple minutes. But why don't we talk about some of the guys that are still available? You know, the Knicks, the Nets, Lakers. I mean, they could still get better. Uh, There's guys out there like Kawhi. There's guys out there like Schroeder, Oubre. uh, Reggie Jackson's still on the market. You have uh, Laurie Markkinen from uh, Chicago who's still sitting out there. I'm sure he could help some people. Is there anybody available out there? I mean, you could even, you know, mention guys that I didn't even mention there, Smooth, but is there anybody that kind of kind of sticks out to you saying, you know what, this guy's a perfect fit. This guy gets them, you know, into the playoffs, you know, to the championship or gets them a, uh, you know, a series win or something like that. Uh, anybody out there that you're you're kind of hoping that you, you see get to another team? Yeah, there, there's one guy out there, but he's not a – He's not a unrestricted free agent or a restricted free agent. Um, he's kind of on a team right now, but there's no reports out there. This is kind of me thinking with, you know, my basketball logic 
in terms of, um, you know, fits and what teams need. And you know, I was thinking about the Clippers and I was, you know, kind of wondering why they haven't, um, you know, re-signed, you know, Reggie Jackson, you know, as fast as, you know, I thought that they would, you know, based off of how well he performed for them in the playoffs and, you know, just how much he seemed like he deserved to be the starting point guard there with his play in the playoffs. And, you know, if they weren't going to sign Reggie Jackson, then obviously with the moves that the Lakers made, you know, um, Dennis Schroeder's out there as well, you know, throughout the regular season. Um, there was reports that he turned down a four-year, $80 million uh, deal to stay with the Lakers, um, trying to get more money. Um, looks like he played himself out of out of that type of situation. And maybe the Clippers and Celtics is a spot that, you know, that would be looking at him, but they're Hasn't been any type of serious talks that I've seen, but there's a guy uh, out there in uh, John Wall. I think he's on the Rockets right now still. I kind of think that's why the Clippers haven't, haven't, you know, been in serious talks of signing either one of those two guys quite yet because I think they're trying to make a move to bring uh, John Wall to to Clippers some type of way in some type of two or three team type of deal or if John Wall is interested in being bought out by Houston because they're going with a youth movement um, out there in Houston. And, you know, with John Wall being a veteran player, you know, wants to get to a team where he can try to win a title and, and kind of try to play for something on the back end of his career. So I think, you know, that could be something to keep an, keep an eye out for, with, you know, days coming, you know, left in free agency, maybe John Wall to to uh to the Clippers some way but I think you know since we've been recording this pod or doing this pod I think Kelly Uber is going to the Hornets um I mean the Hornets are doing a good job of bringing in some young talent I like what they did in the draft as well but uh you know other than that you know there's no really serious moves I think Kawhi is expected to go back to the Clippers but even if he does you know there's reports that he could miss you know significant time this year if not the whole season you know uh dealing with the partially torn ACL that he had you know, in the playoffs. So, um, you know, I really think, you know, the significant moves are made, but I think that would be the last one that I would keep an eye out for, you know, when we're talking about maybe a John Wall to the Clippers some kind of way. That's funny. You just mentioned a couple of players, and I said, send me a list of teams that you think that got better, and you were like Lakers, Nets, Heat, Bulls, you know, teams we just talked about. And then you had a team on here, that team that got worse. And I was just going to – jump in here and say i wonder if we see Ubre back in a wizards uniform and uh you know smooths up to date on the nba 24 7 uh every minute so sounds like Ubre is not going to end up you know with washington but you know what do you make of that team like do they keep beal do they maybe try to bring in maybe somebody like a schroeder um i i know you were high on them last year and i think it was for good reason i think they had some injuries that kind of hurt them I know they probably got worse move, but I don't know if we're going to really notice it. I think that that team has a chance to grow uh, with guys like Rui. I think there's a uh, Bryant's there. I think that they could still be a half decent team, maybe even a playoff team, especially if they bring in somebody like Schroeder. But um, I'm guessing you're going to tell me that the reason why the Wizards got worse is because, you know, they lose, you know, an all world player in Westbrook. But why don't you talk a little bit about the Wizards? what you think that the uh, the loss at Westbrook does to them, What what's going on with Beal, what are your thoughts with him, and then, you know, what what are the Wizards going to do to try to make up for uh, for that Westbrook departure? Who might they bring in town? It, it's not so much that them losing Westbrook that makes 
makes them on my list of a team that got worse. It was just that the impact that, that Westbrook brought to the team once he got healthy. Because there was a point in the season for the first two months or so where he was injured and not himself playing through a through a torn quad. And, you know, Bradley Beal, he was great all year. You know, he was, you know, either one or two and leading the league and scoring. And, um, you know, they had some some good young pieces, you know, with their lottery picks and Rui Achimura and Denny Adia. But, you know, the, the rest of the team and the, the rest of the, you know, rest of the players on the team, they started to play a lot better and have a more of an impact towards on winning. You know, once Westbrook got healthy and you were able to see what he was able to do, you know, for that team and, and for Bill as well. And then, you know, I like the piece of them, you know, uh, trading for Daniel Gafford. You know, he was a an instant impact player, you know, once he got to the team as well. But then you just saw that Westbrook was able to raise everybody's uh, a level of performance out there. And with him gone, you just wonder how, you know, it would Bill be able to do that. And I like Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, with his last healthy season, he averaged about 20 points and six assists a game. Um, but I'm just not, I just don't know if he has that same type of, if he'll have that same type of impact that a Westbrook has when we're talking about, you know, bringing everybody's level up to try to be a, a playoff type of team. You know, when you look at their, their odds, you know, they're, they don't have a shot at winning the title. Um, this is, will be Bills last year under, you know, under contract with the team. You know, he could be an unrestricted free agent. Um, you know, they got, they bring in a new coach um, and, and Wes Unsell Jr., who was uh, responsible for pretty much running the defense for the Nuggets the last few years. And the Nuggets defense was pretty good the last couple of years. So I think that he's a good head. He'll be a good head coach, but you know, you got a rookie coach coming in there and you lose, you know, your impact player that, you know, once your team started to take off, he was a bigger reason uh, for it. When we were talking about Westbrook um, than Bill. So I just kind of wonder, you know, what uh, this team will look like. And then you look at teams, that didn't make the playoffs last year that um, have a shot at making it this year. We're talking about the Bulls. Uh, we're talking about the Pacers. When you get, you know, Karis LeVert um, and uh, Malcolm Brogdon and and um, Sabonis back, you know, and you get those guys back healthy. You know, some guys out there, you know, you get the Hornets. They didn't make the playoffs, and they got better this year. So there are some teams that got better, and I think they got a little bit worse. So, I think the Wizards, um, they'll be in that playing situation again. And I don't think that, you know, right now on paper, I don't think that they're better than the Bulls or the Hornets. And those were two teams that they had to, you know, uh, leapfrog in the second half of the year. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how it plays out and then what Bill decides to do, you know, once he gets a, a better view of uh, what this team looks like without Westbrook. I think if Beal stays there, they got to get a point guard in there that's legit that can at least assist the basketball. Now, I don't think that that's Reggie Jackson, and I'm not sure if it's Schroeder. Uh, I don't think it is, but I don't even think like – I don't think bringing in a Reggie Jackson, but I think they're going to need to make up for, you know, how well, like how you mentioned, you know, Westbrook brings a team together. He can get guys to do certain things. We'll see how that team, uh, that team pans out. Why don't we talk a couple minutes about – you know, some of the title odds here. You got the Brooklyn Nets at plus 220. Uh, I think that's fair. Lakers at plus 370. I think that's wrong. Uh, I would actually make the Lakers slightly favored over over the Nets. 
Uh, the Bucks are champions eight to one. So there's a pretty big gap there between the Nets, Lakers, and then you know third third favorite in the Bucks. And then you got the Warriors at eleven to one. I want to talk about this team in particular. You have a dark horse team. It's the Warriors, and it's funny because they're they're the fourth favorite to go out and win the title. And you and I talked for an hour. And would would a fourth favorite in the odds be even a dark horse team? Uh, I, I would say probably no. But the fact that that's the team that you think is the dark horse, I think it makes perfect sense. I just wonder with those 11-1 odds there, Smooth, what the hell is going on with the Warriors? I'm almost positive last year, and I could be wrong, that there was a point in the season where the Warriors were healthy with Wiseman, with Draymond, with Curry, and they were sitting somewhere around 50-1 to odds. I could be wrong. I might be wrong. But I I swear I remember seeing them at one point at 50-1. to Now they're going to bring back Klay Thompson. He's coming off an ACL injury. He's coming off an Achilles injury. He hasn't played basketball in two years. And I just don't know if that particular team that I saw, you know, with Wiggins and all those guys out there, I know, you know, Bazemore's not there and, and certain players, but I just wonder if that 50 to 1 team is now an 11 to 1 team with the insertion of a player in Clay Thompson who is very good is worthy of being 11 to 1. You think yes. And I asked you before we even jumped on this pod. I'm like, where where were the Warriors like the last time that they had Clay and you were like they were in that, you know, third, fourth, fifth um area and they're sitting right now in that fourth area. So we're trying to figure out like what the hell is going on with Clay Thompson. You think that these are correct odds that the Warriors should be 11 to 1? With Clay Thompson coming back after an ACL and an Achilles injury. I don't think that they're telling the truth. So I'm going to let you go ahead and talk about the Warriors. Talk about why they're your dark horse team. And before we even get into, you know, the odds and who I think that they're going to bring into town. Um, I'm, I'm with you 110%. I think the Warriors are, are clearly the dark horse team. Um, even with this current roster, but I think this roster is going to look a little bit different. But why don't you talk about the Warriors? Tell me why you think that this is your dark horse team and why at 11-1, you know, that they're worthy of a bet right now uh, before anything else happens. I guess we could say the biggest move through um, this offseason, free agency or draft-wise, is Westbrook going to the Lakers. But, you know, Klay Thompson coming back healthy after, you know, not playing for two years to the Warriors is – is just as big as news as you know, or, or up there with the Westbrook going to Lakers news. Because you go back, I went back to the 2014-15 season when the Warriors won their first title. Um, their preseason title odds was was you know 28 to one, and you know that season they won you know 14 or 15 more games in their regular season win total. And you know since that season, they finished no worse than third in offensive rating. And they finished no worse than fifth uh, defensive rate, defensive rating wise. And well, obviously excluding, you know, the two years, you know, this past year where there was no Clay Thompson. And then, you know, going back to the year prior to that, where Kevin Durant left for a free agency and there was no Clay Thompson for that season as well. So excluding the, the years where they 
you know, struggle with health and losing Kevin Durant, you know, since, you know, the last five or six years or so, they were top five in offense and defensive rating while making trips to the championship and winning three of those. So I think the Ozmakers, you know, have that much respect for Klay Thompson as I as well as I do. You know, that's an all NBA player that's averaging about 25 points a game. And when you look at what he brings to the Warriors team, you know, he kind of he takes a lot of pressure off of Steph Curry having to guard the other team's best perimeter player. And but when you go back and look at this past year when there was no Klay Thompson, the Warriors were still able to to maintain a top five defensive rating without Klay Thompson. Where they were hurt the most was on the offensive side of the ball, where he um you know there was no Clay Thompson and they had a lot of had a lot of young guys out there and it took them a while to try to figure things out before Steph just kind of took over things and you know ended up leading the league and scoring. But even with that, even with all of that, you know, um, Andrew Wiggins had a really good year. We averaged about 18 points a game, shot over 45% from the field, 38% from three. And then Draymond Green started to look a lot like the Draymond Green that we recognize from their title runs. And then some young guys, you know, in their rotation started to emerge. You know, James Wiseman, before he got hurt, he started to, you know, look like a top two pick on both ends of the floor. You, you get him coming back healthy as well. And then Jordan Poole scoring the ball off of the bench, looked like a, a legit six man that could finish some some games, you know, with them, you know, down the stretch. And, and then obviously you had Steph Curry had a career year leading the league in scoring. And so and then that's not even to mention the two lottery picks that they added this year. And, you know, Jonathan Kumanga and, and Moses Moody out of Arkansas. So whatever those two guys, those, whatever those two young guys can give you out of the rotation, to me, that's just a cherry on top. But, you know, adding Clay Thompson back to this mix, I think that this makes the, this makes them, you know, the second best team, you know, out of the West behind the Lakers. When you look at teams, you know, like, you know, the Clippers or Utah, Denver, uh, or, you know, this year's Western Conference, you know, champion in, in Phoenix, you know, I think all those teams have question marks. Um, and I think the Warriors, you know, they're proven. They have the the chemistry. They know how to play with each other. Um, Steph Curry is a top five player in the league. And then you're adding the all-NBA player back to that mix. Um, I think that 11-1 to 1 odds for the Warriors um, is great value right there. Uh, I do have the Lakers as my favorite, so I, I played the 370 because I don't think it's going to be any any lower than that or any higher than that. But I think the Warriors are right there with them, and I wouldn't be surprised if we have a Lakers-Warriors Western Conference Finals. You know what? If I could bet that right now, Smooth, I would bet Lakers-Warriors Finals. Here's why. Now, you and I had a long conversation. Now, yes, on this podcast, it's right now it's Smooth 1, Sleepy 0, but we'll keep this running going with our record and we'll see if I'm right. I could be wrong, but I do agree with you. Warriors, very good dark horse team. I think that that's worthy of a bet. And I do think it's going to be the Lakers and the Warriors in the finals of the Western conference. And that's just going to set up for a really cool finals. You know, if it ends up being Brooklyn against, you know, KD against the Warriors or, you know, if LeBron gets there, that's going to be pretty, you know, pretty badass too. But here's the reason why I think the Warriors have a legit shot at 11-1, and that's why we make the bet and why they probably make the Western Conference Finals. You seem to disagree a little bit about a couple things, but Damian Lillard's still out there. And you already had mentioned to me, and we don't have to get into the weeds on this move because this took us an hour to go ahead and kind of hash out 
you made a lot of really good points and your points were far more valid than mine. Mine was more of, I just don't think that the Warriors are going to go away all that easy. And I think that one way or another, I don't know how the hell they're going to do it or how it's going to work, but I think the Warriors are going to go after Damian Lillard and I think they're going to get him. I think you got to take the Knicks out of it. And the Knicks were, I think the Knicks were like four to one to get, to get Lillard. Uh, the Heat were right around that four to one. They made too many moves, you know, bringing in Lowry and stuff like that. I, I don't think they'll get him. Philly's still on the running, and I think that that's a team where Lillard can be Lillard, and you're going to give him somebody like Embiid. That's a nasty team, and the Lakers were in there too. But the Lakers, obviously, you know, they go and they they get Westbrook, and it was really just really between Philly. And the Warriors, when I was looking at the odds of the next team that Damian Lillard could land on. And the Warriors were right there, uh, I think, at like 4-1. to one. The 11-1 to one to me just doesn't make sense with Klay Thompson coming back after two years off. I think that they're being, I just think they're being, those 11-1 to one odds just, in my opinion, just aren't right. That the odds makers, and you were saying that the odds makers are telling us, and I think the odds makers are telling us another story too, is that they're afraid that the Warriors could end up getting somebody like a Lillard and then they're going to get pounded on and they're going to be sitting there at, you know, 15 to 1, 20 to 1 odds. And they were like, we need to make this lower. And it might not even look that crazy because Clay Thompson's coming back. But I just don't believe that the that the Warriors right now, with Clay Thompson coming back, deserve to be the fourth favorite. But I think there's value in that number because I do think they're going to end up getting Damian Lillard. That's just my gut feeling. I don't think they're going to go away easily. And I think that if you got a guy like Draymond, Curry, and Thompson, they'll figure it out. They played with a guy who needed to have the ball in KD. They figured it out. They won the title. You know, if they didn't get all banged up and hurt, they would have won another one too. Um, I don't know. It seems crazy smooth. But I, I think that's where Lillard ends up. Um, if he don't end up there, he either ends up back on the Blazers or he's going to end up in Philadelphia. I think those are the three teams um, that are going to end up – that he's going to end up on. So I know you think that's crazy. But if the Warriors get Lillard, 11-1, man, is juicy. But I really like that pick that you just mentioned, Lakers, Warriors, in the Western Conference Finals. I just don't see how that happens unless – you know, a bunch of players get hurt again. So that's all what I said. It's one to nothing smooth, but I'm taking that Warriors are going to end up getting Lillard and you kind of don't think um, that he's the greatest fit. And um, you really never said if, if he was going to go there or not. So you got all that on your plate there, Smooth. You can go ahead and dissect that and, and try to try to figure all that out. What are you thinking? Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to shoot down, you know, your, your crazy theory, but um, I just don't. <laughs> I just don't see the the fit or the reason why the Warriors would want to would want to bring in Dame Lillard just for the reason that whatever trade package that you got to put together to to get him there, you're more than likely doing it to pair him with Steph Curry, and you know the trade pieces and package of of players and picks that you'll need to send back to Portland. Um, I don't think it makes you better by getting, you know, uh, by getting Dame back. Um, you know, we've seen Steph Curry kind of put this team on his back uh, this year by going out and score, going out and scoring the ball. 
and it still wasn't enough. You know, they were in the eighth seed, but they lost to two playing games and didn't make the playoffs. So if you had, you know, you put in a trade package, you know, centered around maybe a Andrew Wiggins or a Draymond Green or something like that, and, and you know, your one of your lottery picks or both of them, I think it kind of makes the team a little bit weaker, even though you get back a Damian Lillard and then you have a Steph and Dame, you know, and a Clay Thompson or something like that, or maybe Clay's included in that as well. And Steph and Dame is your backcourt. I think your defense gets weaker. So I think if the Warriors were to make a move, and I don't really think that they have to because they're getting back a Clay Thompson, I think if they were to make a move, it would be the team that they was already talking to would be uh, with Philly to try to bring in Ben Simmons. And if, you know, the Sixers wasn't asking for, you know, everything in the house, including the dog, I think uh, Ben Simmons would have been in Golden State by now. Um, So if there's a move out there, I think that Simmons would go to Philly or Simmons would go to Philly for a type of, you know, Draymond Green type of package. And I think that would extend a Warriors championship window. Obviously, you know, the relationships between Draymond Green, Steph, and Clay are, are very valuable and has helped them win championships. So you have to take that into strong, strong consideration if you're a Golden State. But I think if there's a superstar trade out there, I, I think it would either be, you know, that trade that I mentioned, sending Simmons to Golden State, sending around a Draymond Green package, or sending Simmons to Portland for uh, Damian Lillard and pairing Damian Lillard with a Joel Embiid. Um, but either way, I just don't think that Simmons can come back to Philadelphia, even though I think that they should keep him. But just seeing how this offseason is going for Philly um, with Doc Rivers talking about uh, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid talking about Ben Simmons, not in like, you know, the highest, you know, regards. Um, I just don't see how he can come back and be uh, and get better and be productive on that on that team, especially when they just signed Andre Drummond. Uh, I didn't really get that signing as well, but. Yeah, if there's um, if there's a move that Golden State would make, I think it would be that they kind of work out the negotiations that they had earlier with Ben Simmons uh, rather than going after Dame Lillard. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just don't know how the Warriors fans and how Steph and Clay would react to bringing in somebody like Simmons. I think Simmons is tainted, but let me as you were talking. I just started thinking of something even crazier because you were like, you know, your crazy theories. I got another crazy theory, but let me throw this one at you. You think Ben Simmons would fit in really good with the Wizards? With with Bradley Beal or without him? With him. Like he, he fills in the Westbrook role. Yeah, I think he would. I wonder if that's where he lands. I just wonder if that's where he lands because my gut feeling says he he doesn't end up with the Warriors. He's going to go somewhere. I think I think he's all right. He's either going to stay with Philly or he's going to go somewhere. But my gut feeling is it's not with the Warriors. It's going to be, you know, with some odd, unexpected team. And I actually think that I actually think he fits pretty well, you know, maybe with the Warrior, with the Wizards. I That might actually not be a bad team. So, yeah, I think Simmons will fit with Bradley Bill and Washington. But if there was a trade to take place between Philly and Washington, and it's not swapping Ben Simmons for Bradley Beal and trying to pair Bradley Beal with Joel Embiid, then I think somebody's job would be on the line in Philadelphia if they didn't bring back Bradley Beal in, the, in that type of trade. That's the, that's the only reason why I don't see it working because 
you what other pieces I don't see any other pieces that the Wizards have that they could send back to to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons that would help Philadelphia get better. Um that doesn't have, you know, Bradley Bill included in that trade package. You know what's interesting? Like me pers this is just me personally. I would never trade Bradley Beal straight up for Ben Simmons. That's just me. And I feel like it's kind of like uh, like with Ben Simmons, it's kind of like, you know, like politics. You got, you know, half the country on one side, half the country on the other side. I feel like that's kind of the way that Ben Simmons is being treated right now. Like half the people love him, half the people hate him. And it's like me personally, I think you're just asking way too damn much for, for Ben Simmons. And maybe they're just – I don't know, man. Like Philly hasn't been exactly the greatest, you know, business in in basketball. But maybe they're going to get back a whole hell of a lot more than than he's worth. But in my opinion, for you, you know, you think you know Simmons is a is a really good basketball player and worth um, quite a bit. But I wouldn't even make that trade for you know Beal. But I, I th- he works better, you know, with Beal than with Beal being off that team. But you're right; it might actually. Uh, might cost somebody their job in Philadelphia if they actually let that go down. Uh, but one thing that will be going down, NFL season there is smooth. Right now we got a preseason package that's up. You guys can get a season-long player props, season-long season long team totals, and there's a, a bunch of other little things in there that Chris put in there. I think it was for like $30, $35 or something like that. So uh, go over to Betting Predators, get that now. Uh, you guys can make some of your uh, season future wagers and get there are some tools in there, too, that you guys could use for, you know, for the regular season. And then the regular season package, I believe that's going to drop next week. I don't have a price on that right now. Um, that's not even up to me. That's up to Chris. But right now we were discussing what we're putting in that thing. And uh, I'm excited because there's a lot of cool stuff going on. Uh, we're going to have just a lot more than you guys would would really expect. So um, you guys are going to be excited about that. So keep your eyes out for that. But if you're looking for the preseason, um, that stuff's up right now on the bettingpredators.com. But that'll wrap up our stuff here for the NBA. Uh, the reason I brought up the NFL there, Smooth, is because uh, we'll probably, you know, we'll touch on a couple NBA things throughout, you know, throughout the off season. But we probably won't have too many NBA podcasts, um, you know, probably for like the next couple months because we'll be uh, – We'll be ripping and running with the NFL. You guys know where to find me on Twitter, SleepyJ underscore pregame. You know where to find Smooth at Smooth underscore 702. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck. Enjoy the games.